Amen. We will now have our confession of faith. Do we stand for that? You can stay seated for our confession of faith. It is coming from the Heidelberg Catechism, and it is question 126. Uh, you guys, please be patient. Uh, it, it's going to take uh, two or three slides to go through, so we will continue to read along as the slides go from next. Uh, and so the question is, what is the fifth petition? And the answer, as we have also have forgiven our debtors, means because of Christ's blood, do not hold against us poor sinners that we are any other sins we do or the evil that constantly clings to us. Forgive us just as we are fully determined as evidence of grace. Isn't that another great reason to praise God? Join us as we reflect over that with the song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us.
Pastor Alex for all of us, like all of us to stand for the word. Giving honor to the Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, to the pastor, the officers, to all of you who are in attendance today. Um, I would like to start off by thanking our youth, because I know it's our youth that gets us up on a weekend to really want to go out and serve. When I'm in bed and they say, Dad, it's time. It's time. But I want you to know that your children represented the Village Church very well. And you should give them a hand, a clap of praise. Because our father was a servant. He's still a servant. And our kids are learning what it means to wash feet. So I'm honored to serve them and serve with them on yesterday. Now we'll have time when we're going to Matthew chapter 6. And we're reading verse, verse 12 and verses 14 through 15. And it reads, <clears throat> And forgive us of our debts as we also forget, have forgiven our debtors. For if, you ha- for if you forgive others their offenses, you have a heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Hopefully you all have had a, a wonderful week. It's good to see everybody here this morning. Defense attorney Charles Gary calls Gene McKinney to the witness stand. McKinney struts into the courtroom with his fist held high. He steps into the stand. He, he lifts his uh, right hand and he swears an oath to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. So help him God. McKinney settles into the seat. Confidence is, is written all over his face. He prepares himself to answer questions about what he witnessed on the rainy night of October the 28th. 1967. His testimony is vital. A man named Huey Newton is on trial for his life, charged with shooting two police officers during a traffic stop. Attorney Gary asked McKinney, from what you saw, did Huey Newton start the shooting? No, answers McKinney. The attorney asks another question. Well, did someone else start the shooting? He refused, I refuse to answer that question on grounds that it might incriminate me, McKinney answers. The attorney asks a, a third question. He says, and McKinney gives the same answer. He says, I take the Fifth Amendment on that question, on the grounds that it might incriminate me. Like McKinney, Christians can also take the Fifth. They can plead the fifth petition of the prayer that Jesus gives his disciples in Matthew chapter 6. The sermon text today is Matthew 12, verses, uh, Matthew 6, verse 12, and also verses 14 through 15. And the title of this sermon is this, We Plead the Fifth. We Plead the Fifth. 
And the main and my overall theme is because our heavenly Father forgives us, we can work towards forgiving others. Because your heavenly Father forgives you, you can work towards forgiving the people who has and will sin against you. Please pray with and for me as I ask the Holy Spirit to bless the preaching of the word. Gracious Spirit, as um, I pray each week that we I gather and each week that I'm in the pulpit, I pray uh, once again that you will be the one who take every element in this service, from the singing, from the prayers, even the announcements, that you would take this service and that you would minister to us. That you would truly minister to us. That you would minister to our grief and to our hurt and to our frustrations, to our pride. That you, Lord, would let us be, help us to worship in spirit and in truth. Not just going through the motions. And, and we don't, here's the thing, we don't have to worship. We get to worship, Lord. We get to worship the one true God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. We get the privilege of being able to worship in community the God who calls us beloved. So whatever we're dealing with, whatever thoughts we're dealing with, whether we want to be here or not, we're here. And so while we're here, continue to move in and through us. And I pray for all this in Christ's name. Amen. Citizens of, of, of America can plead the fifth petition of the, of the U.S. Constitution. And citizens of the kingdom can plead the fifth petition of the disciples' prayer. Or for, or also, it's also known as the Lord's Prayer. You see, the Fifth the fifth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, it gives you as an American citizen the right to not to self-incriminate. So if you're called to the witness stand, in any case, if you feel like that question may come back to bite you, you can say, I plead the Fifth, on grounds that this question or what I say may self-incriminate me. Now, the opposite of that is the Fifth Petition of the disciples' prayer. This prayer, this petition, it frees Christians to self-incriminate. Think about that. If you're in a heavenly courtroom, on the witness stand, as a Christian, you can plead the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer. And the fifth petition of the disciples' prayer is only applicable to Christians. Only Christians can plead the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer. And so who are Christians? Who are they? Christians are people who have given their lives to Jesus. They are people who believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and he was resurrected from the grave. Those are people who have surrendered to that and they believe it. They don't just believe and trust it. They also live for Jesus as well. Those are Christians. They are the ones who trust and have surrendered their lives to Christ. And all Christians are free to self-incriminate 
without fear. You can, you're free to plead the fifth. Why? Because you're in Christ. You're in Christ. Now, Christians, as in Christ, God, you are now adopted into God's family. You are now a beloved son and, and a beloved daughter. And so now you are his child. And he is your father. And so when we, when we do, when we, when we plead the fifth petition, we are saying, our father in heaven, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. I, know you, I hope you realize by now that you can start each of these petitions with that first phrase. Everyone, you can start with that phrase, our Father in heaven, give us our daily bread. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come. Our Father in heaven, forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so, individually, we can self-incriminate. And communally, we can do the same. Because no, this prayer is a communal prayer. All look at the pronouns. Our Father, our transgressions. As we forgive. So we can self-incriminate before a God who is our Father. We, we self-incriminate before a God who calls us beloved. Without fear. Without shame. Without regret. So self-incrimination is really confessing and repenting. Of our debts. What are debts? Debts are, what are these debts? Are these like debts that you have when you go take out a loan at the Tyler place? Is that the debts that Matthew was talking about? Is this a debt that you go to the bank and take out a loan for gifts you can't afford or a car you can't afford? Is this what he's, he's talking about monetary debts here? No, these debts are, are your transgressions. These debts are, are your sins. Sin is an act of transgressing God's demand, which result in a debt owed to him. And he demands full payment of that debt. There are no monthly payment plans for this debt. I'm sorry. You can't go to small claims court to sell this. I'm sorry. Judge D. Harvey cannot help you. Okay, you cannot, cannot, you cannot t- get another credit card to pay off this credit card. Not gonna work. You can't. No, not gonna work. Can't get because this debt is only paid in blood. This debt, your debt towards God, can only be paid in blood. In blood. Colossians 2, verses 13 and 14 says, And you, that, that is us, you were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, that is Christ, having forgiven all of our trespasses by counseling the record of debt that stood against us with all his legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Those are the nails that went into your Savior. Those nails through his body was him nailing your debt to his own son's body to make payment. 
for all of us. Our sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross. And we bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. Yes. Oh, my soul. All our sin, not in part, but the whole, past, present, future, have all been nailed to that old rugged cross. And you bear them no more. That's good and wonderful news. So that means sin is no longer our master. We no longer live under the dominion of sin. That I means there's freedom. And yet, we still struggle with sin. I don't understand it. Did you understand it? With Christians, we, we still fall short of God's glory, even though we're in Christ and forgiven in Christ. We still fall short. What are the current sin struggles that you have in your life? You don't have to set up and do public confession unless you want to. What do you, what do you struggle with? I struggle with gluttony. That's one thing I struggle with. I like to eat. Yeah, pride, envy, jealousy. I, I get angry with my family sometimes. And we all have these heart sins that we struggle with. What are yours? Not just this question, not just for the adults, it's for the kids too. We all struggle with sin. David is a man who possesses significant power and authority. He's a king. And one day, King David spots Bathsheba while standing on the roof of his palace. He inquires about her, learns her name, discovers that she's a married woman. He discovers that her husband actually serves in his military. And that should be the end of it, right? Not so fast. David abuses his position. Messengers are sent to take Bathsheba against her will because, listen, can, is it really safe for her to say no to the king? Really, is it really safe? David assaults Bathsheba. She conceives, pregnant with his child. A cover-up plan is set in motion. It fails. So a second cover-up plan is set in motion. It succeeds. David has Bathsheba's husband killed in battle. And then he takes Bathsheba to be his wife. Again, is it safe for her to say no to the king? What if I told y'all that the same man is described as a man after God's own heart? How do you reconcile that statement about David with his actions that abused Bathsheba and destroyed her marriage. How do you reconcile that? Shorter Catechism, question 83, asks, Are all transgressions of the law equally heinous? Are all transgressions of God's law equally heinous? The answer is, some sins in themselves and by reason of several aggravations are more heinous in the sight of God than others. So what David did to Bathsheba and her family is more heinous in the sight of God. Christians can 
and do commit heinous sins. Do we honestly think all the evilness that has happened in this country was done by non-Christians? Is that a, that's not a trick question. Are all the evilness done in this world done by those who don't know Jesus as their Savior? No. Slavery is the perfect example. And so... Christians can commit heinous sins. Like, for example, an immoral sin like adultery. That happens in Christian families in the church. And illegal sins like physical and sexual abuse. Those things happen in Christian households. They happen in Christian churches. And sometimes Christian churches cover it up, which is even more heinous. And please don't say that won't ever happen here because it can. And it might be. Because at the end of the day, we really don't know what goes on behind the closed doors in this church. And here's another point. If we have never committed a heinous sin, it's all because of God's mercy and grace, not because of your goodness. Because all it takes is for you to be put in the right circumstance. The stars just have to align in the right way. And the very things you judge other people for, you will do. Because we're all capable. All sin, y'all, all the sin that we commit, whether it's heinous or non-heinous, whether it's unrighteousness or, or, or self-righteousness, whether it's small or big, all the sin that we commit, we commit it vertically and horizontally. Primarily, our sin is against God, vertically. But our sin is also secondarily, horizontally, because we sin against other people. We sin against fellow human beings, image bearers, our neighbors, our family our co-workers, our friends, our classmates. We sin against them. And as a result, when we ask for forgiveness, we ask for forgiveness both vertically and horizontally. But what do you mean by that, Father Alex? If I sin against my wife, and I go in my prayer closet and I say, God, forgive me, but if I don't go to my wife and ask for forgiveness, the circle is not complete. It is not complete. You close that circle out by going to our kids and say, baby, forgive me. Because when I did this, it hurt you. So you got to complete that circle. So when we say, so this fifth petition is, our Father in heaven, forgive us of our sins against you and forgive us of our sins against other people. So that is, when we're saying that petition, that is what we're asking for. We're asking for forgiveness for the vertical sins and the horizontal sins. We seek forgiveness from God and we seek Forgiveness from the people that we sin against. Amen? And our confession and our repentance must be specific. Just like God's forgiveness is. Jesus died for specific sins. God forgives specific sins. And we are to confess and repent of specific sins. Saying I'm sorry is not repentance. Because I'm sorry could be I'm sorry I meant you. I'm sorry your feelings are hurt. I'm sorry you misinterpreted what I said. I'm sorry. I'm just sorry. Well, I'm sorry you misunderstood what I said. I'm sorry you don't feel safe around me. I'm just sorry. That's not repentance. I'm sorry. I'm amazing. I could be sorry I got caught. We are called to offer genuine and specific repentance. 
And what does that look like, Pastor? First, it looks like you name what you did. Call a spade a spade. You name what you did. That's confession. And then you admit you were wrong. That's repentance. And then you ask for forgiveness. Is that the end of it? Is that the end of it or is there other steps after that? Well, what, what, what's it, when you ask someone to forgive you, is that the end of it? Is the circle really complete then? No, you try to make it right. Restitution. Because if I steal from you and I ask your forgiveness and you forgive me, I still got to give you that money back. That's restitution. And then, now after restitution, then you, you avoid doing it again. That's transformation. Because repentance is meaning I'm turning away from what I was doing, and I'm going to do, do something different. Okay? So you name it, confession. You admit you were wrong, repentance. Then you ask for forgiveness. Then you try to make it right, that's restitution. And then you avoid doing it again, that's transformation. God's forgiveness towards us is an act. His forgiveness is an act. That means as soon as you ask for forgiveness, he forgives you. It's immediately. All you got to do is embrace it. It's not a spiritual gift to beat yourself up for the sins you struggle with. And a spiritual gift. We don't offer penance. Why are you beating yourself? Christ was already beaten for you. Stop. Stop. I've said this once before. You don't have to climb on the cross with Jesus. Like, your blood ain't going to help no way. And you ain't coming back in three days. Okay? So embrace what he has already given you. Because you live, some of you live beating yourself up for sins that he died for. You're the only one surprised by the fact you still struggle with pride. By the fact that you can't, you just can't seem to get free from certain sin struggles. You're the only one surprised by that. Jesus is not. He knows that we are but dust. And that's why there's grace. That's why there's mercy. You have so much more joy if you just embrace your imperfections. Because you're never going to be what you're going to be. Some of us want to be right now what we're going to be on the other side of glory. Baby, that ain't going to happen on this side. You, you can pray all you want to. You can fast all you want to. You will not get your heavenly body on this side of glory. I'm sorry. You're going to have to wait just like the rest of us. But what you have is grace and mercy in your time of need. You are enough where you are. You can't outdo what Jesus has already done. So stop. Avoid it. Nehemiah 9, 17 says, but you are a God ready to forgive. Think about that. He's, he's, he's on go. All you got to do is ask. I'm ready. For gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Some of you should memorize that verse. Nehemiah 9, 17. You are a God ready to forgive. And his forgiveness isn't conditional. Now I know when you look at verses 14 and 15, look with me, it says, 
If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. He said, well, isn't that what it means? That if I don't forgive my neighbor, then God's not going to forgive me? It doesn't really mean that. One commentator says, human forgiveness can and must be understood simply as a reflection of divine forgiveness. Basically, you missed out your own blessing when you don't forgive others. Because forgiveness is more for you than the other person. You've missed out your own blessing when you refuse to forgive others. We extend forgiveness to others as we embrace God's forgiveness towards us. Our forgiveness is an overflow. We embrace, we extend. We embrace, we extend. Our forgiveness to those around us who don't really deserve it. Because we don't deserve our, do you think you deserve God's forgiveness? No. So when we understand what God has done for us and all he's done for us, that should give us a spirit of humility that allows us to forgive those who hurt us. Now, I must give a nuance here. God's forgiveness is an act. Our forgiveness is a work. Because forgiving other people is hard. It's hard. Extending forgiveness to other people is a work of God's grace in our lives. Think about Joseph and his brothers. I've heard plenty of sermons on that passage about how we need to forgive like Joseph forgave. And I realized, he didn't see those knuckleheads the next day. I mean... It was years later. Years later. God, I tell you, if my family sold me into slavery and came back, hey, they don't, 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 don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. I don't know you. Don't come by here saying, hey. Because it was years later. And so we got, that's why when we, when we look at the Old Testament, we got to put things in context. It was years later. And what was happening throughout those years, God was bringing Joseph to a place where he can forgive them. And that's the same for us. You cannot rush people to, into forgiving people who have wounded them. You can't rush them into that. It takes time. And not, it's not easy. I, I, I have yet had a couple in this church come to me and say, Pastor, we ready to forgive each other our sins. I haven't had because forgiveness is hard. For, forgiving, you know, you know, kids forgiving their siblings is hard. That's why it's a work, and it takes time. And some sins, y'all, are easier to forgive than others. And sometimes, depending upon the relationship you have with the person, it's even harder. Now, it's easier for me to forgive a stranger who sins against me than a friend who sins against me because of the relationship. Because I don't really do life with a stranger, but I do life with y'all. And so it would be harder. It didn't take time because the hurt would go deeper. Like my mama said, it ain't nothing like church hurt. And so horizontal forgiveness is a work, y'all. And sometimes it may require counseling. Sometimes it may require you to leave a space for a season. And sometimes it would take months. And so you got to think of it more as a work, more than an act. And here's another important point. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. 
difficult. You can forgive a person and not be reconciled to them. Okay? You got to make a distinction between the two. Well, what does that mean, Pastor Alex? Here's the thing. A child who was abused by their parents can forgive their parents in adulthood, but reconciliation with them may not ever happen because they might not be at a place where they can be, be close again. But they can forgive them because reconciliation takes time. And sometimes reconciliation don't always mean you're going to be friends again. It just means when I see you in public, I won't walk by you. I will speak. I will say, hey, I will shake your hand. But it doesn't mean we're going to ever be buddies again. Because, again, reconciliation will look different depending upon the relationship and the level of the hurt. So please don't conflate the two. Repentance does not mean reconciliation. They're two different things. And sometimes reconciliation might not happen, but forgiveness can. Now, if you have more questions about that, if that's confusing, you can, you can call me. I meet you at Just Love, and we can talk about it. But that's what I want you to, one of the things I want you to get from this message is that forgiveness is hard, it takes time, and forgiveness is not reconciliation. That's a whole different process, and it takes a lot longer, too. And sometimes it might not happen. Nelson Mandela, I'm sure most of you know who he was. He, he was the well-known uh, South, uh, president of South Africa. He served 27 years in prison. He was convicted and sentenced to life for trying to overthrow the state, President Mandela fought against an unjust apartheid system, which was an unjust system, systemic evil. And, and he fought against the people who benefited from that system, and other people were oppressed by that system. When he was finally released, this is when he was finally released from prison after 27 years, this is what he says. He says, as I walk out the doors towards the gate, that will lead to my freedom. I knew if I did not leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'll still be in prison. I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I would still be in prison. What do you think of President Mandela's words? What do they represent? Is it, is it just walking towards freedom? He walking towards forgiveness. Extending real forgiveness to real people who unjustly imprisoned him for 27 years. CBC Saints and guests, forgiveness is critical for your healing and freedom. Don't let the actions of other people keep you trapped in pain and suffering. Don't let them live rent-free in your head. Strive to forgive them so you can find peace. So you can find peace. So that you can live a flourishing life to its fullness. So we can plead the fifth petition. Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive the people who sin against us. Let us pray. Father God, when it comes to forgiveness, like I said, it's a work. And so for some of us, I just pray that we will begin the journey for those that we may need to forgive and, and, and are able to forgive. And you can work with that honestly. And so I pray that the folks who are struggling, that they would not feel pressured 
to forgive because it takes time. And I help them to know that it's okay, that they're not ready. And they can give that to you and you can bring them along to the place where you want them to be. And so, Lord, I pray that as we close our service, that you will go with and before us. I pray for our Sunday equipment classes, that for our discussion. Pray for the chili cook-off, that we have time, fellowship, and breaking bread together. And I pray for all this in Christ's name. Amen. Will you please stand, saints, as we sing Blessed Assurance. housekeeping for the chili cook-off? Do we need help with tables or anything? Set up? Okay. Okay. Alright, so instead of having the adult SEC in the beginning, we, we'll help set up and then once set up is done, we can sit down and have a, a sermon discussion after we get things set up with the chili cook-off. So the youth will be down in the youth room and the end of the village cash the students will be in the annex and the village kids will be in the annex also. So again, thank you so much for being with us. And if you're a guest, thank you so much for joining us today. Now here's God's benediction.
Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. And the Lord be with you all and all God's people said, Amen.